And the Lord spoke to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all your territory with frogs, so the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into your house, into your bedroom, and on your bed, into the houses of your servants, on your people, into your ovens and your kneading bowls. And the frogs shall come up on you, on your people, and on all your servants. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your rod over the streams, over the rivers, over the ponds, and cause the frogs to come forth upon the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians, Pharaoh's magicians, did so with their enchantments and brought up frogs on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron. He said, Entreat the Lord that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let your people go that they may sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses said to Pharaoh, uh, accept the honor of saying, when I shall intercede for you, for your servants and for your people, to destroy the frogs from you and your houses, that they may remain in the river only. So Pharaoh said, tomorrow. And he said, let it be according to your word that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. That's what Moses said. And the frogs shall depart from you, from your houses and from your servants and from your people. They shall remain in the river only. Then Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried out to the Lord concerning the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. So the Lord did according to the word of Moses. And the frogs died out in the houses, on the courtyards, and out in the fields. And they gathered them together in heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and did not heed them as the Lord had said. This is that story where we can say, one more night with the frogs. Now, if you think logically or reasonably, you think, why would Pharaoh choose one more night with the frogs? And we see there in verse 10, where when given the choice when to be delivered, he said, tomorrow. And that's why I'm going to call Pharaoh Mr. Tomorrow. We all know a lot of people that are Mr. Tomorrow. Mr. Tomorrow is a dangerous place to be. Mr. Tomorrow does not respond to what the Lord is doing in the here and now today. Mr. Tomorrow has got plans and visions for greater things around the corner tomorrow. And he's got his kingdom that's all about him and he's not interested in today, which is interesting because it's the exact opposite of the Lord, because everything with the Lord is today. If you go back to Genesis chapter 1, when God made the distinctions of days, and they're literal days, of course, there's a value of each day. That's why God gives us descriptions in detail what each day took place, the distinction of light and darkness, um, you know, the plants, the animals, all that stuff, the stars, the heavens. God has a purpose in every day. And if you have a strong concordance or you just Google how many times the word day or this day is used in the Bible, you'll find it used a lot. Throughout God's word, he draws a lot of attention to the events of the day. And it came to pass on this day. And so some of the more powerful verses that tell us about the day with the Lord is today is the day of salvation. In speaking of the Hebrews who had hardened their hearts in the wilderness, 
he would say, today, do not harden your hearts as those who did in the wilderness. We see in the New Testament, when Jesus was calling people to himself, it was always today. When he called Peter and Andrew, John and James, Matthew, Zacchaeus, it was always today. Zacchaeus is in the tree. Zacchaeus, come down. Today, I'm having dinner at your house. It's always today. When the Lord calls people, he doesn't call them to tomorrow. He calls them to himself today. The kingdom of God is here and now. It's today. It's about today. It's very important. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. Yesterday is yesterday. We can't, the past is so radical because we cannot change the past. Now, the past can be redeemed if we make good decisions today with the Lord. But the past is a dangerous place to go. The past can teach us lessons and things we can learn from. It can discourage us and condemn us. But one thing you can never do with the past is go back and redo it. You don't get a redo on yesterday. Listen, there are no redos on yesterday. The future is guaranteed to no one. And we have no assurance that what we might fear tomorrow is going to come to pass because we might pass today. So why would we be worried about tomorrow? Now, we might have plans for the future. I have plans for tomorrow and next week. We know that we hope that the first week we can gather together again as a church is going to be the week of May 4th based upon Governor Gavin Newsom's decree and President Donald Trump's decree. So I'll be honest, I'm kind of reverse engineering May 4th as the week when I hope that we can get back in here in the sanctuary as a church family and not do the remote broadcast. So I, I can't, you know, I certainly have a vision like, okay, May 4th, it looks like this. Hey, when we get to May, it'll be a whole month of like quarantine church, right? So I have a better idea what it looks like. How's the body of Christ doing? How's everyone hanging in there with the Lord? Is, is Zoom substituting, you know, the women getting together, uh, the men getting together? We'll be able to take inventory on a full month, right? Because March was half month, kind of, a certain way, and then pandemonium and pandemic. But as I'm looking ahead toward May, based upon dates that the president and the governor have given, sure, I'm looking ahead. And if I look too far ahead, though, I think, well, what if we're not gathered as a church in May? I get really anxious. So I have to come back to today here in April because this is what I have. I have this day. And it might not even be for me to be, you know, here in May. I might be with the Lord in May. So it's always today. So the future is an unknown. Today is here and now, and yesterday is the past. And that's why God says, today is the day of salvation. Today do not harden your heart. And when he says, Zacchaeus, today I'm coming to your house for dinner, it's today. So it's really important that we focus on personally with the Lord that it's today. And we need to learn the lessons from the man who said tomorrow, because Pharaoh is Mr. Tomorrow. It's tomorrow. Now, we know lots of people. It's tomorrow. Tomorrow, I'm going to go to church. Tomorrow, I'm going to get a job. Tomorrow, I'm going to be nice to my spouse. Tomorrow, I'm going to make that phone call and tell these people I'm sorry. Tomorrow, I'm going to put that in order. Tomorrow, I'm going to set straight that crooked path. The road to ruin is paved with professions about tomorrow. Tomorrow is an unknown and a non-guarantee. By the way, side note, that's why I like to avoid debt. Because debt is presuming that you have the future that you may not have. It's, it's nice to be today. Give us this day our daily bread, is what Jesus said. Forgive us our debts this day as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. 
and lead us not into temptation this day. It's all about this day in the Lord's Prayer. It's all about this day with the Lord. So when we come to Pharaoh, he's the opposite of that. He's a worldly man. He's his own God. It all revolves around him, his world, his kingdom, his power. And here's Moses and Aaron living for today with the Lord, obeying the Lord. And so this story, when these things are presented to Pharaoh, he takes the route of tomorrow. Tomorrow. And the lesson for us in this text, above all else, is to not put off the tomorrow what the Lord wants to do today. Salvation, confession, forgiveness, repentance, faith, restoration, revival, renewal. That's all available to every one of us today. But if we put that off to tomorrow, then we may never experience those things and those blessings from the Lord. And by the way, the peace of God for his people is available today. It's meant to be today. It's not for tomorrow. Being uh, content, godliness with contentment, is meant for today, not because you have everything you want, but with the Lord you have everything you need. And if you're waiting for the perfect situation to be happy, at peace, with joy with the Lord, like if it's just, this is straightened out tomorrow, that's straightened out tomorrow, that's straightened out tomorrow, then I'll have joy and I'll have peace, then it might never happen. Today is a day for everything with the Lord. It's meant to be today. His peace, his love, his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his hope, anger to the soul. It's all meant for today. Everything with the Lord is here and now. But the world and Pharaoh and the hopes and aspirations of the world, it's always tomorrow. Including dealing with sin and deliverance from sin, which is really what the frogs are all about. Pharaoh is a type of the devil. Egypt is a type of the world. And the bondage is a type of sin in Egypt. So now here, as we look at Mr. Tomorrow... And we know that God really is about today in contrast to tomorrow. There's a couple of things we see here. And this really, this text really has a lot to do with for non-believers or people that have walked away from the Lord. And I need to take that angle because it really is a very evangelistic text. So I'm going to go with that route. But it says in verse 7 that the magicians did so with their enchantments. And then we're told in verse 8 that Pharaoh entreats Moses to entreat the Lord that he can take the frogs away. The first thing that we really see here about sin and the frogs and just being overwhelmed. Now, and listen, if there ever was a visual that kind of shows us what sin's like in someone's life, it's a house full of frogs. These creepy little reptiles, you know, like in your refrigerator, in your pantry, in your bedroom, in your house, on your desk where you work, on top of your desktop, on top of your laptop, in you open your closet, oh, there they are. They went everywhere. And, of course, when they died, the land smelled. It stank, we're told. Sin is like this. It it invades your life like frogs. It's just everywhere. And there's no escaping sin. And we're told that sin, that it's conceived, and then it brings forth, it grows like a baby in the womb, and it brings forth death. It always brings forth death. The wage of sin is death. So in this sense, with that type of symbolism, here's Pharaoh sitting in his, you know, it's all about Pharaoh, sitting in his world and his palace, his people, everything, they're over-indated, overrun and indated with these frogs. And it's just a miserable place to be. They're fighting God. And their house full of frogs proves and testify he's fighting God and his fighting God affects everybody underneath him, including everyone in his household and in his nation. And it's always tough when the leader fights God in a household for a nation it's always, uh, uh, it affects everybody. And he's fighting God. And there he is. 
And we realize that whatever plan he might have for deliverance from that situation, and we might say this if anyone was sin, whatever plan that we think we could have for deliverance from sin, what road to recovery, self-help group, 12-step program, four-step program, professional therapists and psychologists, the issue that befalls men is sin and affects our heart, our soul, our mind, our total being. And you can treat symptoms of sin. You can help an alcoholic not drink. By the way, the world's a lot better when alcoholics don't drink. So thank you for that. And I say that respectfully. You can make the world a better place if you're not doing crystal meth anymore. And somehow you find strength, and very few people do, to never do crystal meth again if you've ever been addicted to crystal methamphetamine. You can be a reformed criminal. And you might have been a, a, you know, a very good criminal, like stealing stuff, like burglary, car theft, stuff like that. And you know, the last time in prison, you really did change your mind that you didn't want to spend the rest of your life in prison and you don't steal stuff anymore. Good for you. And that's awesome. But you're still a sinner. So you might not have the symptom of sin of being a thief or a drunkard or a drug addict, or you may have had the sin where you were physically abusive of people and maybe somehow in your own strength, you willed it and you read books and you got better and you went to therapy and you actually don't violently hit people anymore. And so thank you for that. But you're still a sinner. So you conquered a symptom, but you didn't conquer. You got some frogs out of the house, but you didn't clear the house of frogs. They're still in the kitchen. See, that's how sin works. It, it overwhelms, and there's no deliverance that you can conjure up from yourself or those around you, however professional and supernatural they might be. Because think about this. These magicians, they're supernatural. They have demonic power. And in that demonic power, they can make fro- frogs come forth. But it's not frogs coming forth that Pharaoh needs that's supernatural. He needs supernatural the frogs are removed. And only the Lord can remove the frogs. Just like only Jesus Christ can take away sin, its guilt, its condemnation, and its consequences. Only the Lord. So for all the self-help things and the millions and billions of dollars spent for people to be relieved of the anguish of their minds, their hearts, and their souls from what sin does in their life and how it affects other people, if they're looking for deliverance from anyone other than the Lord, they're in a house full of frogs, and they're, they're, they might as well go to uh, Pharaoh's magicians and ask for deliverance, and it's, it's not there. They can't deliver from the frogs. There is no force in the universe that can deliver you and me from sin other than Jesus Christ. And so this is interesting because Pharaoh, with all of his power and the most super-de-duper, super-spiritual, powerful people he have, all they can do is make the, the problem worse. They just make it worse. They can't make it better. They can add to the problem supernaturally, but they can't make it better. And I must testify, with sin, like frogs, only the Lord Jesus Christ can take them away. There are very well-intended people who want to help you in sin and help you work around sin. I remember my own life when I attempted suicide in 1986. That part of the requirement of recovery was to go to county mental health. And I went to county mental health, and the woman that counseled me was very sincere um, she was professional. Obviously, she was educated. She's a government employee, so she had to have some kind of education. And I went there, and I basically told her that I felt really guilty about everything, and that I'd hurt these people, and done this, and done that. And she, you know, uh, it's a famous thing. I've shared this story many times, but she said, you just need to forgive yourself. And, you know, that very moment, I knew that that therapy session was over, and I was never going back again. Because... I knew, deep in my heart, I did not have the authority to forgive myself for the sins that I committed against other people. 
And I knew in my heart that only the Lord Jesus Christ had the authority to forgive those sins. And I knew in my heart that the only way those sins would be forgiven if I was willing to repent today, not tomorrow. And on that day in Escondido County Mental Health in 1986, I was not willing to repent of all my sins. I felt bad for my sins, but there were things in my life that I was unwilling to repent of. And the moment she said, you need to forgive yourself, she was just like Pharaoh's magicians. Man, she could bring forth more frogs on my life, but she could not take the frogs from my life because I was asking her to take some of the frogs, but not all the frogs. And with the Lord, it's all or nothing. It's not one house with frogs, the rest of that. No, it's all or nothing. And she was like the magician, magicians. She had power and authority, and she was giving me words. And, but once she said I had to forgive myself, that's a spiritual thing. That's not a mental thing. And even if it was, it's mental things are, most of them are spiritual. And I knew, ah, that's, that's like this. Joy wanted to get rid of some of the frogs, but not all the frogs. And this is a problem that we have. We want one more night with the frogs, because some of those frogs represent sins that we like. And we say tomorrow, but it needs to be today. Do you not harden your heart? Today, if you not harden your heart. So what Pharaoh realizes here is his deliverance cannot be partial, and his his resources cannot bring it about. And so he says, well, you know, have the Lord take away the frogs. So have the Lord take away what I feel guilty about here, but I don't want him to take away things that I enjoy doing because we're told in Hebrews that sin has a passing pleasure. In fact, it's related to Moses. We're told that Moses forsook the passing pleasures of sin to identify with God's people 40 years before this to be in this position to be used by the Lord on this day in this situation. So as gross as the frogs seem contextually here, symbolically, if we're comparing them to sin and those types of creepy things, there's some creepy things we like. And we might want the Lord to deliver us from some of those things, but not all of them. When I used to do the drug and alcohol ministry at Calvary Chapel Vista in the late 80s, there were plenty of people that came in that wanted to be delivered from drugs and alcohol, but not from other sin in their life. And they were not willing to surrender their life so that the Lord could clean their house of all the frogs that day. They were like Pharaoh. They just wanted some of the frogs gone. And the idea of the Lord taking every frog, even that day, they didn't like that idea, and they would walk out and never come back again. There's a lot I see here that we can pull the, the context from and understand that that's a, that's a human experience. There's more to it than just frogs in Pharaoh's house. But we see there's no alternative relief from his magicians, and only the Lord can do it, and he realizes that. And many people know that. So what's keeping you right now? Then the second thing we see is the personal choice. Wow, there it is, right? We choose. We always choose. Adam and Eve, the tree of life, the tree of knowledge, good and evil. Moses, choose to say whom you serve, the Lord, whatever. You know, like, do you want blessings? Do you want curses? Joshua, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord, but you choose to stay who you're going to serve. Over and over and over again, we're told, choose and God gives us choice. Time is a time of choice in the human experience. So we're told, Moses says in verse 9, we'll accept the honor of saying when you want that deliverance. Accept the honor of saying. And that's what God allows every one of us on this planet to do in April 2020. Accept the honor of deciding what you're going to do with the pandemic. Accept the honor as you're thinking about what this COVID-19 means as a time out in life. Be still, no doubt, the Lord, because the whole planet's being told to be still. And as you're sitting somewhere thinking more than you normally think, accept the honor of choosing what you're going to do with the Lord. Accept the honor of choosing what you're willing to let God do in your life. Accept the honor of willing to 
choose Christ and pass from death to life and really begin to live the life you're meant to live. Or, you know, you can say tomorrow with Mr. Tomorrow and say, well, you know, it's not got a choice. Yeah, I'm kind of moved by those things. I, I felt something, you know, listening to Greg Laurie's broadcast or Pastor Joey or Brian Broderson. But yeah, you know, my uncle was sharing with me like it really spoke to me. But, ah, you know, I'm just not ready. And it's a funny thing when you share your faith with people where people say like, well, I'm just not ready. Are you ready to die? Are you ready to step into eternity this day since tomorrow's guaranteed no one? Are you ready to stand before the Lord and say, hey, I just wasn't ready? We don't want to be overbearing and sharing the gospel, but there's urgency in the gospel. D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, changed his entire ministry after the Great Chicago Fire because the night of the Great Chicago Fire, he preached. He had, a, he had an event, and he preached to hundreds of people, and he did not press them for a decision with the Lord. It's well documented in all of his biographies. Moody Institute's still right there in Chicago. In fact, the guy that runs it was here at the men's conference last month at Calvary Costa Mesa. The legacy of D.L. Moody, that great evangelist. And he preached the gospel, but he did not press the people for a decision. And he said, go home and think about it. And that night was the great Chicago fire. And a lot of people died in Chicago, and their worlds were turned upside down and never the same, like a local pandemic. Never the same for those people in Chicago at that time. Still one of the greatest disasters in American history. And he in a sense, never forgave himself for that, and he purposed that for the rest of his life, when he preached the gospel, whether he's being mocked with the student body at Oxford and Cambridge in England, which came later on in his life, that he would always press people for a decision for Jesus Christ that day. So accept the honor of choosing when you want the frogs to go away. But today is a day of salvation. So if you walk away from a harvest crusade or Mike McIntosh, you know, Festival of Life, or Raw Reese, Somebody Loves You, or Ryan Reese, you know, Forever's Event. If you walk away hearing the gospel and knowing those frogs are real, and you've got a chance to get rid of all the frogs, but you're like, well, I'm just not sure, and you know you can't bring deliverance, but you kind of like the frogs, and, you, and it's presented to you. Accept the honor. You have the choice, what you want to do with your life. God gives you free will. We're self-determined entities in this human experience to a certain degree. Uh, that is, you know, Society will hold you accountable for being a criminal and they'll incarcerate you in most cases. But like we're self-determined. We do have choice. And so accept the honor of saying what you're going to do. It is today. Today is, the, today is the day of salvation. Today, do not harden your heart. Give us this day our daily bread. Today is the day we need to seek the Lord for all that he has for us. It's a personal choice. God says to every human being on this planet in April of 2020, Accept, accept the honor of saying what you would have the Lord do for you. Do you want to be saved today? Do you want to pass from death to life? Do you want to have eternal life? Do you want to repent from your sins and turn from all the frogs? Do you want them all gone? Are you willing to be all in? Do you want to pass from death to life, darkness to light, condemnation to justification, hell to heaven, wrath to blessings? Accept the honor of saying when you would like to receive the things that God has for you. And for the wise person and for the fall of Christ, it's today. It's here and now. It's here and now. It's today. It's today. But Pharaoh is Mr. Tomorrow. And he's willing to spend one more night with the frogs in his house because no one tells Pharaoh that he needs to be saved. 
No one tells Pharaoh that he's perishing. Maybe you can relate to this. I can. So I've been saved a few times in the open ocean uh, in my surfing career. And before I gave my life to Christ, I never liked it when believers would ask me, are you saved? I didn't like how that sounded. Are you saved? Like, I can't save myself. Now, when I was 16, I was surfing in Hawaii at Laniakea. And uh, I lost my board. The surf went from like 6 to 15 feet. And I lost my board. The leash broke. And I came in. And there was a white board. It was 1977. And uh, my board came in. And it came up on the beach, and a Hawaiian local hid my board in the bushes, and his board was white, and it was in the channel going out to sea toward Himalayas and the open ocean and the Kauai Express. Boards get lost on the north shore of Oahu, and they end up on the beach in Kauai. It's called the Kauai Express. It's a river in the ocean. And his board was in the rip, and he said, there's your board. Oh, howdy, there's your board over there like that. So... I'm like, it wasn't even my board. It was Dan Kiloa's board and Craig Sugihara from Town & Country. I'm like the howly kid from California. I'm like, I cannot lose this board. So I go swimming. Now I was a really good swimmer. I was a very successful amateur swimmer in AAU, Junior Olympics, all that. I can swim, even to this day, I'm pretty decent without even being trained because of my knowledge of that. But I went out after this board, and I got 100 yards from the beach, 200 yards from the beach, and I was drifting toward what's known as Papaloa Street in, toward open ocean, like 12-foot seas. And I'd, I'd been in the water about 20 minutes, and I was no closer to that board than when I entered the water. And I realized, hey, this is a dangerous situation, and I'm in a major rip in Hawaii with a building swell. And so I had to like, keep my wits. I suddenly realized, like, forget the board. Like, I'm, I'm in a dangerous spot. So I'm way out there. I'm a quarter mile out getting pounded by 15, 12, 15-foot waves. And, and I'd been surfing for two hours before I lost my board. So I began to swim in, and I wasn't making progress, so I was starting to get pretty concerned. Then I see the Hawaiian guy that told me that was my board on the beach holding up my board saying, come on in. Now, he's at least two, three football fields from me on the beach. He's holding up the board. Like, he's scared because he just sent this holly to his death. And I, I gave him that universal signal that, you know, to be rescued. He got on my board, came out after me in the water, took him like 15 minutes to get to me, came to me, and it took us like 15, 20 minutes to get in. I had hold, as a single fin, I had hold on. I assume with one stroke like this, while well, he pulled me in, and we got to the beach, and he said, sorry. I went back to the car, and there's Dan Kiloa, like, oh, Joy, cuz, what's up, bud? What are you doing over there? You know, and I almost drowned. I was 16. I had to be saved. Had that guy not come after me, I probably would have drowned in that situation. I don't like being told I have to be saved. You don't like being told I have to be saved. But Jesus tells us you must be saved. We must be saved from our sins. So accept the honor of telling us when you want to be saved. Because if you say today I want to be saved, then you're going to be saved. If you say tomorrow I want to be saved, you're never going to be saved. Because you're going to kick the gospel down the road every single day into your future that you're not even promised or guaranteed. You'll make plans to build bigger barns and do different things and say, tomorrow I'm doing this, tomorrow I'm doing that, and tomorrow I'm going to get saved. You'll never get saved. God is in the here and now, and we need to be saved. And it hurts when your pride, when God says you must be saved. Charles Spurgeon said we all come to Christ the same way, with a low ceiling and on our knees. And so it is. The gospel brings us all to an equal place. Sinners saved by grace through a great Savior, Jesus Christ. God himself said his name is Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. God so loved the world, he gave his son, but those that are saved are saved from their sins because they received Christ this day. For as many as received him, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Not born of blood and flesh and man, but born of God. 
So accept the honor. And in the end, what we accept, we live with. He said tomorrow, and what did Moses say? Well, let it be according to your word. You want to live one more night with the frogs? It's your deal. It's your gig. God's giving you that choice. It's your word. Go for it. That's what you want to do? One more night with the frogs? So tomorrow's what you like, huh? You like tomorrow, Pharaoh? You know, as we go forward in this text, and I cover it verse by verse, the fourth plague, which is the flies, it's like God says, you know, Pharaoh, you really like tomorrow. So guess what? Tomorrow, I'm bringing you flies. Tomorrow, yeah. I'm going I'm to meet you where you're at. You like tomorrow? Tomorrow is the fourth plague. Flies. I'm going to draw distinctions between my people and your people tomorrow with the flies. Later on, another plague. He says, tomorrow, guess what? Tomorrow, yeah, boils. Guess what? Lightning, hail that destroys all your crops. It's tomorrow. And I'm going to draw distinctions between my people and your people. Since you don't want to trust in me today and do with the today with the Lord, the living God, since you by accept the honor that you want tomorrow and you reject me today, you can harden your heart, be given over. So here's for all the all tomorrow. Everybody that ever wants to say tomorrow to the Lord, there you go. You can have all the tomorrows you want, whatever God might give you. He'll, he'll let you be tomorrow. Because what is outer darkness and hell? It is to be separate from the presence of the Lord. And when you say tomorrow to the Lord, it's saying, I don't want the Lord in my life. So in eternity, he just gives you what you want. He gives you your tomorrow. Life without Christ for all eternity. You wouldn't want to be in heaven anyways. Heaven's for people that love the Lord, who say, today I repent of my sins. Today I give my life to Christ. Today is the day of salvation. I believe at the Philippian jailer. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you and your family, and you can be saved right now. And they were saved, they were repented, and they were water baptized. Today, 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 today. The Ethiopian eunuch with Philip. Look, he hears the gospel, Isaiah 53. What hinders me? Nothing hinders me. There's water. Let's go. Do you believe in your heart? Let's do it. Today, today, today. So the antithesis of Mr. Tomorrow, Pharaoh, the hardened heart person who accepts the honor of rejecting Christ till tomorrow, which means they're never going to get saved, and they're going to harden their heart. In fact, we're told the last thing it says is, he hardened his heart. Verse 15 leaves us no doubt he hardened his heart. And when you push the Lord out of your conscience, out of your soul, out of your mind, and remove eternity from your heart that he's put in our hearts, Ecclesiastes 3 says, you're just hardening your heart, and you're being given over to a hard heart and you give enough tomorrows, 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 you won't even recognize today, and you won't even hear the voice of the Lord today. Because the only thing worse than being chastened by the Lord is not being chastened by the Lord. God said in Genesis 6, my spirit will always strive with man before he judged the world with the flood. And if you give enough tomorrows, you kick, to enough tomorrow, kick the Lord to tomorrow enough times, you're just like Noah's generation. His spirit's not going to strive with us. Today is the day of salvation. And we don't want to harden our heart. That's what Mr. Tomorrow does. But Mr. Faith, Mrs. Faith, Miss Faith, Mr. Faith, we listen to the Lord today. We, today is the day of salvation. Today we don't harden our heart. Today we ask him for our daily bread. Today we say, like Zacchaeus, you're coming to our house. He's coming to our house today. It's always today. So keep the Lord today. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you, for sufficient is the trouble for today. Tomorrow we take care of itself. So for us, in Jesus' name, we're dealing with today. And today's a beautiful place to be because we can't change yesterday and we're not guaranteed tomorrow. So we're here today with the Lord. All the blessings, yes, yes, and amen, in Jesus' name. All the love, all the joy, all the things that really matter, beautiful, praiseworthy, virtuous, and true. That's us today.
That's who the body of Christ is. The body of Christ is Miss Today, the bride of Christ, M-I-S-S. We are engaged, the bride to Christ, and we're dealing with today in anticipation of a great tomorrow, but we're today. That's where we want to be. So stay in the moment. Don't be Mr. Tomorrow and harden your heart to the Lord and sleep with the frogs another night. Get those frogs out today. Deal with today. Praise the Lord today and live life today. Or otherwise, you're not even living. Pharaoh never really knew what life was about. In Christ, we know. Because he said he came that we might have abundant life. And that's the life he offers us. So be with today. Trust in the Lord today. Cast your cares upon him today. He's got our back.